Welcome back to the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast. I am Jeremy Devins, and today I'll be talking about 10 signs of health in your birth chart leading up to tomorrow's free workshop at quietmind.yoga/health called Get in the Best Health of Your Life. It's going to be really fun. I'll be sharing some of my favorite insights from Ayurveda, yoga, and Vedic astrology over my 20 plus years of studying these topics and applying them to my life, working with clients, thousands of people around the world, and I've had amazing insights about health and wellness. And it is one of the four aims of life I talk about here on the podcast, but I haven't made any big offers around health and wellness recently. So I wanted to create something now as we are in this time of all this Leo energy this month, Mars and Leo, and it's a very good time to focus on your health and wellness like we'll be doing today in this episode. And to follow along, you'll want to know your own birth chart, at least decently enough to know where some things are placed. So quietmindastrology.com slash freebies is where you can get the free birth chart. Or just go to the website and you'll see the link to the freebies, including the free birth chart and the free weekly horoscopes that I send out every week, which we'll talk about at the end of today's episode. There's just one notable transit this week. Leading up to next week when we have Venus retrograde, the new moon, and some bigger shifts happening. So the first thing to look at for health in your chart is the first house. First house is your body. It is what people see about you when they meet you. It is your physical appearance and has a lot to do with your general health and wellness. So whatever planets are there or not there, ascendants are there, the nakshatra, these are all major indicators of your general body and health and wellness. So let's say, for example, if you have a Mars ascendant or a moon sign, because that is also going to have a big impact on your first house, you can look at the moon chart to understand more internally. The ascendant's more external as a general, very broad generalization. Uh, but say you have Aries Ascendant or Aries Moon, or you know somebody who has this, or Scorpio Ascendant or Scorpio Moon Sign, they're likely to be more driven to physical, athletic, competitive activities and do things like want to exercise every day. Like talking to uh, recent Aries Ascendant, Aries Moon, who likes to do push-ups every day, no matter what. Right. So that's a good example of like the Aries kind of energy with the physical body wanting to be very active. And generally for fire signs as well, like Leo and Sagittarius on the ascendant or moon can indicate that fiery kind of energy and wanting to be physically active in the body regularly. You can do this for any of the elements as well. The earth signs wanting to be more grounded in their physical body as a regular practice, as a general default or the water signs wanting to be more dynamic, like dancing and movement in their general physical activities and their physical body. And then the air signs, more intellectual about it, less uh, embodied in some ways, can struggle with that and wanting to be more understanding and interested in the ideas around the body and sometimes can be more detached from the body. Again, these are broad generalizations, just that one aspect of the chart to understand your chart, you really need to look at it holistically, which takes the skill and experience of an experienced astrologer, whether it's with me or someone else. When you get a reading, you'll better understand your physical body through the first house 
by looking at it holistically, because you might have an aspect of Jupiter on the first house, which makes you very optimistic and positive about the body. You might have an aspect of Venus on the first house, which makes you very sensual and wanting to enjoy the body and less driven to do things like walk on a treadmill for an hour. If you have Venus in the first house or a Venus aspect on the first house, you might be more driven to do things for enjoyment rather than for the active athletic components or the outcome, like a, somebody with Mars in the first house, for example, or a sun in the first house. So you see, there's a lot of variety variables here, but it all comes back to the first house generally representing your body and your appearance and then how people see you. And when they see you, do they think of you as somebody who's very athletic, somebody who's very chill, relaxed, somebody who is into sports or whatever. You know, these kind of things you can see through the first house. Somebody who's just very individualistic, like an air sign, and just does their own thing. And then you have the sixth house, which represents your diseases. So first house is your body. Sixth house is where you have ailments of the body and illnesses, physical ailments. And we're just focusing on health today. You know, these houses represent a lot of other things as well. And we're just focusing on some of the high level stuff. But there are other aspects on the other houses, of course, that can indicate things related to health. But generally, a strong and well-placed sixth house and the sixth house lord indicates good resistance to diseases and a generally healthy constitution. So the lord of the houses is always important. The signifactors are karakas, as these words are used interchangeably. And say your sixth house is no planets there, but you have Aquarius in the sixth house. And long-time listeners, you know what planet rules Aquarius. It is Saturn. So rather than just looking at the sixth house, you also want to look where Saturn is placed in the chart. And let's just say, for example, that Saturn is in the seventh house in this chart. That would put Saturn in the sign of Pisces. And now there's a relationship of Jupiter, because Jupiter rules Pisces. You look where Jupiter is in the chart. So it goes layers upon layers deeper beyond just a house. And if there's no planet in the house, you look to the Lord and you continue to look to the Lord of that house until you get to the final dispositor. And there's layers upon layers of interpretation and meaning in that. But let's just say, to keep it simple, you have Taurus in your sixth house. The number two, when you look at your birth chart on my website, what does that mean? Well, you've got an earth sign there, Taurus is about stability, practicality, sixth house representing illnesses and diseases, you may have a generally hardy resilience to diseases and take a very practical approach to handling diseases like first thing you do, you go to a doctor, you do step-by-step -step this and that to take care of it. Let's say you just kind of wipe the slate clean. We're not talking about Taurus now. So you just got Jupiter in the sixth house. Doesn't matter what sign it's in. It could be debilitated in Capricorn that nulls some of these positive influences, but generally Jupiter in the sixth house will be very positive uh, relationship to diseases and wellness. So let's say you get sick and you're just optimistic and you figure you just sleep it off, you'll be fine. That's Jupiter in the sixth house kind of attitude. Venus in the sixth house gives similar results because it's also a benefic. And if Mercury is with Jupiter or Venus. It is also benefic, bringing more positive results.
Again, just forget about that for a second and pretend you have a chart with Pisces in the sixth house. Pisces is about imagination and dreams, and you could have illnesses and ailments in your dreams and dream about getting sick and have disturbing dreams at times. And dream and your illnesses and issues that you have health-wise could seem elusive because the Pisces energy is like that. It's very watery. It can be like two fish swimming in opposite directions. You go to one doctor, they say A. You go to another doctor, they say B. You go to another doctor, they say C. So it can be a bit challenging for people with Pisces in the sixth house and or also people who have K2 in the sixth house because K2 brings that sort of shadowy confusion about material things. Sixth house is also your day-to-day -day routines and more practical grounded things. So when you bring the shadowy, elusive, spiritual energy of K2 there, it makes it mysterious in a way. It makes your issues and health issues mysterious. And it can be very difficult to diagnose health issues. Another example of the sixth house, Totally different example, Rahu in the sixth house. Rahu is the north node of the moon, opposite of K2, and it brings this sort of passionate energy around issues of health. And a common challenge here, of Rahu in the sixth house can be hypochondria and worrying about health issues to the point of that being its own issue. Because Rahu is an obsessive energy and it gets very fixated on things and wants to know a lot about it. So people with Rahu in the sixth house can be very fixated on, do I need to get this mole checked? Uh, I had this weird little stomach thing. Should I go check that out? And they spend a lot of time like searching stuff online and looking up what is the cause of the health issue. So Rahu, wherever it is for anybody, Rahu in any house, any placement can become obsessive. And we all have that somewhere. We all have our own addictions. We all have our own things that can take us out of our center and make us kind of obsessed with things and distracted. So Rahu in the sixth house can do that for people with their health and wellness and their diseases where they become obsessed about the health and wellness and diseases. That can be positive too, where you become very health oriented and very disciplined and rigid, sometimes to a fault, sometimes to benefit around health and wellness and daily routines. Like having a daily routine that somebody is very strict about. That is also Rahu and Six on the positive side. Remember, every placement has a positive, negative, and neutral potential, just like every cell in your body has a proton, electron, and neutron at the atomic level. And even beyond that, everything is a wave or particle of potential, depending on what we look for. That is quantum physics. If we're looking for a wave, we'll see a wave. If we're looking for a particle, we'll see a particle. So we have choice. We always have choice in how these things express. And sometimes, Things just happen sort of out of what seems like out of our choice. It's like we're reacting to life. We are human. We are fallible. We're not perfect. So you may notice at times you are slipping into the negative expression of a placement in your chart. That is very useful information and helpful to see and to look for what is the possible positive expression of this and move towards that, make choices in that direction. We always have that choice, that free will, or at least it appears and seems like we have free will. Again, there's some interesting science on that as well. Now, moving on to the eighth house. We're just on the third thing here. So you see these things go very deep. Just talking about the first and sixth house, very deep. But the third indicator of health in a birth chart is the eighth house. 
and the eighth house represents sudden unexpected events and transformations in life. Malefic planets, transits, or placements here can bring health challenges. Strong and well-placed and or exalted planets here can bring great resiliency and major transformations throughout life, like health breakthroughs. So for example, whenever Saturn is transiting over the eighth house, which is happening right now for all Cancer ascendants and moons because it is Aquarius in the eighth house, and Saturn's in Aquarius. So by transit right now, all Cancers are going through major transformations in their life. Everybody has their turn with this. And there can be health challenges at this time. So it is important to be extra intentional about your health and wellness. Again, because you have the free will, you can be aware of what's coming up and plan accordingly. Like if you know it's going to be raining when you're driving, you can plan for that. And maybe you go out when it's not raining. Or maybe you drive slower. Or maybe you plan your trip to be slower because you know it's going to be raining. That's the same thing with any negative transit or challenging transit, right? You can plan around it and know if you're having the Saturn transit over your eighth house, which again, everybody has, it moves every two and a half years. So everybody gets a turn with this. We all go through this. Right now it is the Cancer Ascendance and Moons. But you can plan for that and know there will be more health challenges. So be more proactive about health routines. Be more, a little more strict about it. Like if you know you have a sensitive stomach to certain foods, Avoid those foods and like be extra intentional about it. Like when you're out with friends and it's like somebody gives you dairy, but you don't need, to, you know, dairy upsets your stomach, but sometimes you can do it. You know, in this time, you just say, I'm just not going to do it. And you be a little more strict about it because it's going to better serve you and, you know, help you avoid any potential negative expression of these things. Is it superstition? Are you just being worried or is it too much to worry about these things? Everything I say is based on thousands of case studies, my many years of research in this, and all my teachers' experience as well that I've learned from. So it's not just hypothetical, it's not just theoretical. It's just, you see it so many times, and then you can know it's likely going to happen again after the 10th time, it's gonna happen again for the 11th time, likely. And we always have free will, so it could happen in a very mild, sense it can happen in a much less dramatic fashion and you can be more proactive and bring out more of the possible possible positive expression because again even with saturn over the eighth house there's a lot of positive things here like you could have deep profound transformation through studying old traditions like ayurveda chinese medicine yoga astrology old traditions kabbalah things that are rooted in years and years of history through studying those, because Saturn requires us to slow down and learn from the wisdom of elders and old traditions, and in the eighth house, bring about transformations through those studies. So it can be wonderful if you're studying old traditions and learning from elders. Moving on to the eleventh house, this is the end of diseases. So it's like the disease of the disease because of a principle called Bhavat Bhavam, which is phenomenally useful and incredibly interesting. But basically, it's the house-to-house -house relationships. So the sixth house is diseases. You count six houses away from there, you get to the 11th house. And that is like the disease of the disease, which is a cancellation of it. So the 11th house shows how resilient you are to disease and illness. If you have strong and well-placed planets there, then you're likely to be more resilient. 
to diseases and recover quickly. And if you have malefic, negative, poorly placed planets there, that's going to be more challenging and you got to be more intentional about it. Now let's pause here. What do I mean by strong and well-placed planets? Well, every planet has a dignity depending what sign it's in. Certain planets are very well-placed, like Mercury and Virgo, or Moon and Taurus, or Sun and Aries, or Jupiter and Sagittarius. These are all very, very positive placements, Mars and Leo. These are all going to bring out the more positive expression of a planet and more positive outcome more easily. Now, I'm telling you as somebody who has a lot of challenging placements in my own chart, and I've worked and persevered through a lot of challenges in my life. I know many people listening have. Those negative, malefic energies and negative planets, challenges, they are not the end of the world. They are not anything that's like fatalistic and you're just doomed to have this negative outcome. That is never, ever the case. I've seen so many examples of people with really difficult placements in their charts and they've found a way to make the best of it. And it's always super exciting and fun to, to get to do those readings and see the people who have found the way to work with the challenges in their chart. And we all have that potential. We all have that possibility. We all have challenges. Like it's not always going to be easy. And we're going to go through phases where it's, ex it's especially challenging. And we are just knocked down over and over again by life. Like standing in the ocean like I did this weekend uh, here in the beautiful part of Mexico I'm staying. Just standing in the ocean and just letting it throw me around. You know, it's a wonderful feeling of surrender, you know, within reason, you know, not going so far out that it's dangerous or I'm going to drown or anything. But to feel that pull of the tides and the pull of the earth and something bigger than myself that I am just at the mercy of and, you know, being intentional, not letting it hurt me or harm me, but also trusting that there are bigger things in the universe. And I'm certainly not in control of. 99.9% .9 of it, but I do get to control where I put my attention and energy and what I focus on, and we all have that. So when we become aware of these challenges, we have the choice of how to respond to it. And that is what astrology to me is all about. It starts with just awareness of like, oh, interesting, I'm doing that pattern, I'm running that pattern here. Right? When Venus retrograde comes around, it's like, oh, interesting. There's this desire to reconnect with old partners and old partners coming back into my life. How do I want to work with that? It's not just like this is happening and anything fatalistic or doom and gloom. It's just awareness, neutrality of this is what's happening. Standing in the ocean, the neutrality of the tide is really strong and it is stronger than me by far and it can pull me around. It could kill me if it wanted to but I'm not going to go out to the level of that risk of harming myself, but I am aware of that. You know, I'm aware of what is there and choosing to respond accordingly. So when you have negative malefic planets and placements, fear not, you know, it's just a, just an energy to work with. When you have positive placements, it is not a golden ticket. It is not just going to make everything easy and automatic. It certainly makes things more, there's more opportunities. There are some easier qualities to it. There's more things that come more naturally to you. Uh, but that in itself can be its own challenge. And 
If you're born into a lot of wealth and fame and success, like talking about somebody with a friend recently who was born into a multimillionaire family and like there was a lot of challenges with that. Like they didn't have any privacy and they were constantly under scrutiny from all sorts of people who didn't know anything about them, judging them, criticizing them. You know, that brings its own challenges. Yeah, they had a lot of material ease and prosperity and got to experience a lot of nice things in life but also felt a lot of pressures and a lot of challenges with it, right? So anything that in the chart is very positive and benefic and brings a lot of positive good energy is not necessarily just good. We've also got to put that in context and see the potential challenges and pitfalls of it and work with those as well. So the 11th house shows, happens to show financial gains as well and networks and colleagues and people bringing uh, sort of fame and recognition into your life. So there is that positive of it too, but specifically to health, it is the resistance to diseases and how quickly you recover. So again, strong, well-placed planets here, like high Shadbala, planetary strength, uh, the dignity of the planet, if it's in a positive sign or if it's in a debilitated sign, like Mercury in Pisces or Sun in Libra, uh, these kind of things are Saturn in Aries. These are more challenging placements considered debilitations where the planet is not at its best and we have more opportunities to grow there, more challenges to work through. So whatever the placement is in these houses tells you a lot about how it's going to express and how you can best work with it. Now, moving on to some other indicators to look at. I've touched on these already, but the benefic planets are Jupiter, Venus, and Mercury. And Mercury, if it is placed with Jupiter or Venus, also becomes uh, benefic. If Mercury is placed with a malefic, it becomes a malefic. Jupiter is adaptable, and it takes on the energy of the planet it's with. Uh, Jupiter and Venus are considered royal advisors. Jupiter, the most positive, benefic energy, the protector of, literal protector of our solar system that pulls all sorts of space, debris, and comets, and asteroids into its orbit to protect Earth. And then Venus, considered the benefic energy of love, beauty, grace, elegance, arts, and then Mercury, the very adaptable, quick-moving energy. These placed in any of the houses I mentioned prior bring out positive expression of health or transits and dashas related to these planets, particularly over the houses I mentioned, bring about good indications for health, 1st, 6th, 8th, and 11th houses, with Jupiter, Venus, and or Mercury, if it's with those planets uh, over those houses, can bring about positive, benefic outcomes for your health and wellness. And the malefic planets are Saturn, Mars, Rahu, and Ketu, and they can indicate health issues if they are afflicted or poorly placed in the chart. So Saturn and Aries is going to bring about more of those health challenges. And Rahu and Ketu, in general, in any placement, can bring about more of those health challenges. Mars can bring about those challenges. Transits of these can bring challenges, dashas related to them. The dashas of Mars and Rahu, particularly, can be quite challenging with health. Uh, but again, there's always possible positive outcomes related to these. And again, longtime listeners, you know the qualities of Saturn is, can be restrictions. It can be healthy boundaries. It can be major health outcomes and setbacks like challenges with your health. 
It can be very disciplined with your health and wellness. So we always look to what are the possible positive expressions, what are the possible posi possible negative expressions, and then how can we bring out more of the positive, less of the negative. And when you go through those transits or dashas or uh, aspects as well, when you look to the transits, you can also look to the aspects. So there are a lot of things that you may miss. Right? So for example, anybody who has Saturn transiting over your second house right now, and those are the Capricorn Ascendants and Moons. You've got Saturn and Aquarius in your second, aspecting your eighth house. And remember, Saturn in the eighth house is one of the more challenging transits to go through. And anyone who has Capricorn Ascendant or Moon right now is also going through an aspect of Saturn over your eighth house. So that is a consideration as well. Not as profound, not as impactful as the direct placement over the eighth, but the aspects as well are a factor. Moon sign. The moon represents your mind and emotions. This contributes to overall emotional well-being. So the placement in the moon tells you a lot about your emotional state, your emotional well-being. Moon in Taurus is the most benefic placement. It's exalted there, and that is going to be generally a more grounded peaceful, calm mind. Moon in Scorpio, in general, is going to be more interested in going deep into topics and can create some mental disturbances because of a restless nature of Scorpio energy and the moon also always waxing and waning. That is a lot of changing energy, the fickle nature of the moon and the intense energy of Scorpio can make an intense mental state. Positive side, though, is somebody who is very good at going deep into a topic. I've seen excellent, very successful engineers, surgeons, people who have to go into deep code, like programmers, IT specialists, people who are very good at technical skills that require going very deep into the topic is a positive expression of Moon and Scorpio. So the moon Scorpio person just needs something very deep to go into, sometimes something secretive, mysterious as well. And the moon in Taurus is a bit simpler. It's not as intense, not as constantly changing, and likes that more grounded, stable nature, which is a good place for the moon to be because it already has that waxing and waning nature always changing. Uh, also, moon, any other placement, you know, apply the same kind of principles. Again, long-time listeners, you know about the signs. You can go back moon into Aries. What does that mean when you combine these energies? The moon always changing the mind and emotions, the maternal instinct in Aries, the warrior energy. What happens when you bring those together? You can do that for any placement in your own chart and essentially be your own astrologer, like I often teach uh, this workshop, the Become Your Own Astrologer workshop. Next one will be coming up relatively soon, so more on that in future episodes. Again, last couple of things talking about healthier planetary aspects. So the aspects or uh, the planets on specific houses provides big insights into the health. So for example, if Jupiter is the lord of your sixth house, that means you've got either Sagittarius or Pisces in your 6th house. And Jupiter is not in the 6th house. You look where Jupiter is placed. And that's going to be a big indicator about your general health and wellness. 
And then whatever Jupiter is aspecting is going to tell you a lot about your health and wellness. So there's a lot of layers to this. I know it goes very deep. It can seem very complicated. But the aspects are such an important part of astrology and easily overlooked because like when you get the chart on my site or any other chart calculator you find out there, it's not going to tell you the aspects. You've got to know that yourself and know how to interpret those, which I teach in the astrology mentorship program. Uh, it is pretty deep. But the simple version, the really simple version, is every planet has a seventh aspect. So wherever every planet is in your chart, look to the opposite house, and it's like that planet is looking there. Kind of almost like the planet is there, but not exactly. It's more like it is looking there. And think about this, like if you were at a uh, high school dance in high school and there's no parents there, how are you going to act with your friends? Versus if there's parents and teachers there watching the dance floor, how are you going to act with your friends? Right? That's like the kind of energy of the aspects. Or let's say you're at a, a store in a dangerous neighborhood and there's no police there and how that feels. And then you add a police officer there at the, at the dangerous neighborhood in the store. Right? How does that feel? Right? Just having that, that energy looking at you makes a huge difference. And that is kind of what it's like with the aspects of the planets. Jupiter there is watching over you, protecting you, that benefic energy, that protector energy, kind of like a police officer, uh, which is a little more of the Saturn kind of thing, but still there's that protector, the protect and serve police officer. That's a Jupiter kind of quality. Just having that there, you feel safer. You feel more, a little more relaxed. So Jupiter aspecting your sixth house and Quick side note, a little deeper astrology, Jupiter has a fifth and ninth aspect as well. So if it is five, seven, or nine houses away from your sixth house, you have that protective energy looking over you. Pretty cool, right? If you don't have it, you've got other stuff. You've got other things going on. Jupiter is protecting you in other ways. Might not be exactly in health and diseases like the sixth house. It might be over your eighth house, your transformation and growth and unexpected events. Might be your eleventh house, your disease resistance. So lots of factors to consider, but hopefully I'm giving you some of the high-level basics that you can look for and spot some of them in your chart and see how your health and wellness might be playing out for you. And then finally, the sun represents your general vitality, strength, and energy. And a strong and well-placed sun indicates good health and vitality. Challenges on the sun through transits or in your birth chart or via your dashas as well means it's a good time to just lay low and chill out and not push yourself so much. But if you have a well-placed sun, that's a good time where you're going to want to be more active, go to, gym, go to the gym, exercise classes, be physically active, spend more time outside, things like that. You know, for everybody, we all need vitamin D. The majority of the entire world is deficient in vitamin D and we get it through exposure to the sun. So... Just doing that can increase your vitality and strength and strengthen your sun and your chart. Not everybody needs that. If you have a very strong sun already, you could overly do it and become burned out and overexert and things like that. So listen to your body. Always trust your intuition. Intuition always is the most important part of this study of astrology. Here we learn a lot of the building blocks of astrology, the ABCs to a degree. But uh, the intuition trumps all that. And it's all just supporting your intuition. So you can better remember 
the truth of yourself, of the universe, and better sync up with it. So that is our look at health and wellness in your birth chart. Again, quick review. We talked about the first house, your body. Sixth house, your diseases and that you might experience or not. Eighth house, transformational experiences and sudden unexpected events in your life. Eleventh house, your ability to overcome disease and recover from them. Your benefic planets, Jupiter, Venus, and potentially Mercury, how they can protect you and bring about more positive outcomes as a general rule for wherever they're placed in your chart. Talked about the malefic planets, Saturn, Mars, Rahu, and Ketu, and how they generally bring out more challenging outcomes wherever they're placed, especially related to 1st, 6th, 8th, and 11th houses. And again, you always have positive, negative, neutral potential of any placement. So you can have Saturn, Mars, and Rahu all in your 8th house, and you could start freaking out right now, and you got Moon and Scorpio and Sun and Libra, all these negative potential energies, but it does not mean you're going to have to have negative outcomes. You will need to go through particular karmas related to those, and we all do. We all go through our own karmas related to our chart and work through those energies. So it does not mean anything is definitively negative. You always have potential of how to work with it. We talked about the moon in your mind and emotions, your maternal energy, your relationship to your mother, and you yourself if you are a mother. And this general emotional well-being is what the moon represents, emotional health. We talked about planetary aspects. Every planet has a seventh aspect. It is like it is looking at that house and bringing its energy to that house. A Mars aspect on a house brings a more... Think about like an athlete, a warrior looking at you across the room and that sort of intensity of the energy and how that may motivate you. It may scare you. It may intimidate you. It may challenge you to become stronger and more competitive yourself, right? That's just an example. But a planetary aspect is looking at that house. So if you have no planets in a house, it's like that planet is looking over that house, in addition to the lords, and we talked about that as well, the house lords, that tells you a ton about the energy of that house. And then finally, we talked about the sun. It represents vitality, strength. And the sun's placement tells you a lot about your general overall energy and vitality, or lack thereof at times, depending on your birth chart, depending on transits. Now, let's quickly talk about the transits happening this week. And again, if you want to learn more about health and wellness, check out the free workshop tomorrow, live on Zoom for free, quietmind.yoga slash health is where you can sign up or click the link in the show notes, quietmind.yoga slash health to RSVP for free. If you can't join live, you'll get the replay. It'll just be up for a short time, all about getting in the best health of your life. Now this week, the transits on July 9th, Actually, yesterday, uh, so it's the only thing you know that I could really talk to you this week. Mercury going into Pushya, uh, but again, next week we're going to have the Venus retrograde, the new moon. So not a lot of big transits happening this week. We are just sitting in that Leo energy and a lot of Aries energy right now. So a lot of fiery energy. Good time to be focusing on your health. But Mercury, the planet of communication, learning, practical energy in Pushya, this nourishing and nurturing energy. So it brings a time to communicate more about what nourishes you, communicate and learn 
and bring a more practical energy to your nourishment in your life, like your food, your health routines, your daily routines. So this is a great time to focus on those things with Mercury and Pusha for seven days. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, please take a moment to leave a review. There's a whole bunch of links in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Google Reviews. You can get your free birth chart, free weekly horoscopes delivered to your inbox. And that's where I send a lot of special write-ups I don't share anywhere else. So more in-depth astrology for you exclusively to your inbox. All those links are at quietmindastrology.com. And the free workshop for tomorrow, quietmind.yoga slash health. And many of you know, I've been teaching yoga now for 12 years and have uh, the Quiet Mind Yoga podcast, the Yoga Teacher Training podcast. Yeah, three podcasts that I host. And I keep busy doing this work that I love. Uh, It's always such an honor and privilege to get to share this work with you. So thank you for listening and I look forward to sharing more with you next time on the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast.